The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's adworks.com slash Bill Risser. Um, I see agents in Facebook groups and whatnot who are asking these questions, and they're not new agents. They, these are things about the contract that they should know forwards and backwards and upside down and inside out. And so that's really something that drives me crazy. I just really think people, agents, should know their contract. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions, where industry leaders share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Rissa of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 83 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening and sharing the podcast around to your friends. We've, our downloads are gone up significantly in the last couple of months. And so I thought this would be a great time to really get the word out about someone really special to me, someone that I've known for a long time back in Mesa, Arizona is where she lives. Uh, uh, when I ran the Gilbert operation for Chicago Title, she was a customer, customer of mine uh, and, and really someone who gets what's going on in the world of technology. I I'm so excited to have Shar Rundio from Realty Executives here as my guest. Shar, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Bill. I appreciate it. I'm honored to be with you and and chat. So yeah, so I I had these. There's some people that I left behind <laughs> in Arizona <laughs> that I had to get on the show. So one day I'll start interviewing more local Florida realtors. But I've got to finish up with the, the people that mean <laughs> to me. So let's well, let's start with the the fact that you're a native of. Is it actually Mesa, or did you grow up someplace else in the East Valley? No, I grew up in Tempe and Chandler. Okay. So lived in Tempe until through elementary school, and then um, moved into Chandler. And as an adult, we um, moved, built our first house in Arizona, or in Mesa. Excuse me. Yeah, and you're the exception to the rule, right? I mean, I would say that the vast majority of people, it feels like in Arizona, have migrated right. in from someplace else. Uh, a lot of cold weather people coming in, a lot of people from California because of cost of living issues. Right. Let's talk about Arizona 30 years ago. I can't even imagine yeah. what the East Valley was like. Give us a little sense and taste of what that was like. Yeah, it's a little crazy to, to think about. So when we moved from Tempe into Chandler, um, I was in sixth grade and it was dirt, two lane roads. There were sheep on either side um, as you headed down rural into into Chandler, you know, just a little crazy, totally different than it is now. Um, and we kind of joked at the time that, or I laugh now that poor Gilbert has no idea what hit it in the last 20 or 30 years. Um, when we were in high school, anybody who was going to Gilbert High was, they, I mean, they were the cowboys. Right, they, it was the small town agriculture, dairy area, and now Gilbert's just expanded, um, and ha really has no idea kind of kind of what hit it. Hit it. I, I lived in Gilbert, and I know even when we got there in 2000, I think there were 60,000 people in Gilbert in 2000, and when we, I'd say by 2010, there were 65,000 kids in the school district in Gilbert. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's, it's just, just exploded. Up. 
I know one big change for you has to be the freeways because when I first visited Phoenix, I think it was 1987, the freeways were just getting started. You must have taken like Camelback or roads that went on forever, like Baseline, everywhere you went. Is that how right. it worked? It, it is. You know, instead the 101 wasn't there. You'd take Pima Road up forever. And then especially in the Southeast Valley in the last, I don't know, what is it, 10 or 12 years now with the, the Loop 202 being completed, it's it's really fantastic. Um, and side note, that's totally off topic, but um, people who come here from Chicago or New York or wherever, they love our freeways, the rubberized asphalt, and they talk about how pretty they are with the trees and, and shrubbery. It, I just find it funny. I think part of that's they're so new, like you said. I mean, to be yeah, part, that's you know, the the 17's old and kind of dusty, right? But, but right. everything else was yeah. built in the last 20 years, so right. Let's talk about that. You mentioned the people from out of state coming into town. I know you you worked with a lot of people that are relocating into Arizona, right? That's a kind of a big. Right. Would you call that a big piece of your business? It has been a big piece of my business. And we've got lots of people who are relocating here for job or economic issue reasons. Um, and then so many who just are so tired of the cold. Um, I've had a lot of families, multi-generations, the kids will come and then the parents and the grandparents will come um, and take over kind of a neighborhood. Some I've had a couple of those um, moving from New York or Chicago or Minnesota where they're just so tired of the cold. They trade the, we kind of say that we trade seasons here, right? So you have those hot summer months where you spend time in the pool or in the air conditioning and whatnot um, versus those cold months where you spend so much time inside, but you don't have to shovel the sunshine. A lot of people really, uh, really are finding that it's economically um, good. The taxes are significantly lower than a lot of places back east, and um, they're enjoying the, the warmer weather. You actually have an opportunity then when you have someone moving in is it is it kind of your process to just really pay attention to them because there's a, every opportunity that there might be some others following them? I, I, I never thought about it that way. Yeah, and you know, it wasn't something that I ever initially thought about and zoned in on. But for instance, I've got people moving from Chicago right now, and they're they've got friends who are who are coming in the next year or two, and some family members too. And so, you know, it's cer certainly something that I try to um, have a conversation with them about. Hey, if you know of anybody else who's thinking of coming this way, I'm happy to help them too. So, so since you're a native, give me your the biggest misconceptions people have about Arizona. Someone who's getting maybe never been out, and what what do they think they're going to run into? I'm sure you've heard a couple of different things. One that you know, just that it's hot all of the time. Or um, we had some neighbors who moved in town from New York, and they they asked, you know, where are all these boats headed? To? And they had sold their boat and sold their skis and had no idea that we had, you know, Great Lakes not too far away. And we had, you know, up in Flagstaff, we've got skiing two and a half hours away. There's that, that they're going to have to change their lifestyle entirely and not, there's not any cold weather, very close and um, no water. Uh, so those are some of the, the larger misconceptions that we see. It's got everything you need. The only thing that's kind of far yeah. away would be the ocean, and, and that's still doable. Yeah, it's six hours, right? Right. Six hours to the ocean, six hours to Vegas, a couple hours to the snow. I'm going to guess when you were in, in high school in 
Chandler, Arizona. Which which high school did you go to, by the way? I went to Corona for a couple of years, and then I actually graduated from Mountain Point in Ahwatukee. So oh, okay. It was the gotcha. first, first graduating class there. Went to the brand new school. Awesome. Yeah. So my guess is you weren't dreaming of becoming a realtor while you were finishing up at Mountain Point. Am I right? No, I was not at all. Okay. Well, <laughs> I what never considered to, it. What did you want to do? You know, I, I was never one of those people who had a, a great plan in place. I didn't, I don't recall having, you know, this is my dream of what I want to do. When I headed off to community college, I was going to be an accountant until I took my first accounting class. And I said, no way, this is not for me. And then I dabbled in interior design for a while. And that's not my thing either. You got so, married pretty early, right? I know Matt well. I did. Uh, we were 20, both of us. Yep. Okay. So Matt's working. Uh, and you're. what were you doing when you got married? Uh, I worked uh, for Motorola when we got married in the in the fab, full bunny suits um, and whatnot. And I, in fact, I did decide there that I was not going to do that for the rest of my life. Um, there were ladies there who'd been shuffling these wafers in machine after machine for 40 years. And I sure as heck was not going to be doing that. Gotcha. So. so what was the, what opened the door into the world of real estate for you? So my husband was a, 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 poor youth pastor. Um, we had two tiny kids. When I got my license, my youngest was not even a year old and my oldest was not quite um, three. And my sister-in-law, um, Jenny, who you remember, yep. um, had had her, her real estate license for about a year. And then my mother-in-law talked about it too. So my mother-in-law and I actually got our licenses together and teamed up for a little bit. And, um, you know, it was it was going to be a little extra money on the side so we wouldn't have to be quite so strapped. It's the promise everybody thinks that, right? It's super easy money. It's an easy way to make a ton of money with no effort or, you know, yeah. very flexible schedule. And, and um, I know people can't see me, but that's very tongue in cheek, very sarcastic. Um, certainly not how things actually are in the real estate realm. I mean, it's not part-time and tons of money. That's not true. Right. I mean, it can be tons of money, but that doesn't go very well with the part-time, you know, <laughs> okay. until you get established maybe, but you know. Got it. So this is, is this around 2000? Am I, is my time frame about right or is it a little earlier? Uh, yeah, 2001. Yep. Okay. So the market in Phoenix is just getting ready to kind of have this great upswing. It was right about right. when I started. I started with uh, Chicago Title in 2000. So did you start your career with Keller Williams? I did. Yeah. Yep. Um, we've talked about that before, and you—you were—you're a big Keller Williams fan. They, what they taught you, and that training they provided was was pretty important to you, right? It it absolutely was. That you know Keller Williams training was phenomenal. Their family and culture and values were, um, are still are, fantastic. And I I spent eight years there. I greatly enjoyed my time there, but I kind of just needed to. Uh, I got to the point when the market started tanking and the this whole social and web 2.0 type stuff really started taking off, um, I got to the point where I needed to be, I needed to go to a place where I could be the student and not the teacher for a little while. Um, I had spent a lot of time on Keller Williams you know, leadership council and teaching classes and doing all kinds of stuff. But um, 
the opportunity arose to to join uh, Jay Thompson's brokerage. He just had a little uh, boutique brokerage, and he was doing amazing things in the blog sphere, as we all know. Um, and so I I took jumped on the opportunity to head over there and and learn a, a little bit more about the the social world that things were headed towards. And that's when you and I met because um, yeah. Jay and I kind of hooked up and, and created that that real estate tech tank training space, and yeah. you were a regular there, right? Yep. Where a lot yeah, of awesome. a yeah. lot of sharing and a lot of learning was going on back in yeah. 2009, 2010. That was a lot, that was a lot right. of fun. Yeah. Jay then makes this move to Zillow, <laughs> so that right. that means that he had to sell his brokerage basically. And so at right. that point, you decided that you wanted to not go where that was going, but you kind of went off on your own path, correct? Right. Very excited for Jay. I'm glad it was an amazing move for him. It really happened at an inopportune time for me. My mom was in the ICU on her deathbed, essentially. And so I, it wasn't a great time for me to be interviewing and picking new places. Um, but I knew that the company that he sold it to just wasn't, it wasn't a good fit for what I needed and was looking for in a brokerage. Um, so then I went to a little larger boutique brokerage gentry real estate in mesa and they they fit what i needed um for a while and i it was great but i i got to the point where i felt like i needed other people around me who were doing a little bit more i, I kind of was big fish in the small pond which is great for the ego but it doesn't help you expand uh, very much or or network with people who are doing bigger things and so that's where realty executives came into play kind of had this um, business opportunity and needed to be in at that brokerage with a couple of friends. And so it's been a great fit. I've, I've been there about two years and I'm really enjoying it. Let's talk about that opportunity you're mentioning. And that that would be the fact that you, uh, along with Nick Bastian and Dean Ouellette, formed a group that that actually purchased the Phoenix real estate guy from Jay Thompson, right? Right. And so let's talk about that that process, um, because to be quite honest, and Jay will will say this, it, he kind of let the site go a little dormant, and um, it was kind of losing its power. And it, at one point, it was uh, a, just a powerhouse nationwide for traffic and and all the things that come with that. So what did it right. uh, talk about that whole process and how that conversation gets started, and and how do you make that first of all the inquiry? And <laughs> I mean everybody knew Jay, but <laughs> right. interesting. Yeah. So I, I think that probably over those couple of years that that was happening, um, you know, several people kind of broached that conversation with Jay, you know, put their feelers out and whatnot. Um, and he just wasn't ready to do anything for a while. And then he actually approached Dean with a proposition of selling the site and, and giving Dean first opportunity. Um, and then Dean decided to share that opportunity with Nick and myself. So we kind of, you know, it's it's a it's a behemoth of a site, um, and it it's a work in progress. But it um, so we we felt like the three of us were were suited well to work together and and kind of take it over, try to breathe some life back into it. It's still a, a process, um, but you know, it's it's amazing to be entrusted with this child essentially of Jay's that he put so much time and effort and and whatnot into. Yeah, it's been fun to watch watch it come back to life. It, it got a it got a facelift. Uh, I know that right. behind the scenes, I I 
constantly amazed listening to Nick or Dean or you talk about what's happening, <laughs> what you're doing behind yeah. the scenes to keep things updated. And, and I know it's a lot of work, but it's uh, obviously something that's going to just, you know, pay off big dividends. Uh, well, probably right. already is, but even bigger down the road. So that's great. Right. Now, I, I, we mentioned I've known you since I was running the branch at uh, in Gilbert and that you're not afraid to ask questions about what's going on with something instead of just kind of letting it sit there. You, you know, you've, You've reached out to me a few times, and sometimes I can help you, sometimes I can't <laughs> when it comes to right. title issues and things. But you're really savvy with the contract. And you mentioned earlier you, you didn't like the accounting class, yet you do a really cool job negotiating deals for your customers. So how, how did um, – talk about the importance of that, and how did, that, how did you get that flow going? Where did all that come from, or your ability to really put those numbers together and make something work? The, I just think the – the contract is so pivotal in, in anything that we're doing, right? It doesn't matter if your marketing is great and your service is fantastic, but it, it, you know, the whole transaction comes down to the contract, what your client is getting out of it and how it's working, you know, to benefit them. Um, I see agents in Facebook groups and whatnot who are asking these questions and they're not new agents. These, these are things about the contract that they should no forwards and backwards and upside down and inside out and so that's really something that drives me crazy um that i i just really think people agents should know their contract know how it pertains to their client and what's gonna you know what what if this happens and what if that happens i'm constantly trying to um, take classes or listen to webinars or whatever to figure out ways to to better serve my clients and you know, we've got this new contract that just came out and so there's all kinds of changes and questions that um, agents you know don't know or they've not been to a class or whatnot and I just don't know how you can represent your people well if you don't know the basis of the real estate transaction which is the contract right I'm sure that you run across cross-sale agents oh quite a bit that you're probably helping them <laughs> more than you yeah. should be. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm happy to help. And even, you know, sometimes the questions that I'm asking you or whatnot are, are not necessarily directly related to a transaction that I'm working on. But if it, if a question comes up for a friend or a client who has this situation, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to find um, ways to offer value or to be helpful. Um, even if it's not, something that you know i'm getting paid for or whatnot well we're going to talk about that part of what you do here right now and that's you know okay. this this ability to be a trusted resource which i think is just massive in the world of real estate you've mastered and and i want to talk about you know first of all i would consider you an early adopter of social media i mean how, how yeah. early how early were you on facebook um as far as i can tell it was early 2007 wow I, and, um, so that's right so when pretty, it was released to the public, right? Yeah, pretty quickly there. And it, it's so funny. I I must have this just connect, connecting with people. I remember, you know, the first couple days that I was on Facebook, literally like not being able to sleep at night because I was trying to think of people who I could possibly connect with, um, remember old high school friends or coworkers or or whatnot. So Facebook just opened this door that that really fit my personality somehow. 
do you do you hear as many people as I do talk about the fact that like they get on Facebook and the last thing they want to do is connect with their high school friends and and it, that always blows me away cuz if you're in real estate those are people <laughs> that know you i mean that's that's kind of a right. that's a starting point right yeah absolutely facebook has the opportunity to connect you with all kinds of people um in fact even clients i will i will try my best to if i've had a meaningful conversation with somebody and i can find them on facebook i will see if, i'll see if they'll allow me to friend them up, you know, if they'll accept my friend requests. You know, my my goal on Facebook is um, not to inundate people with listings or whatnot, but real estate is part of my life. It's it's part of who I am. And so you'll see pictures of my girls or my chickens or whatever. And then and then my clients signing at the title company. And the clients love it too. They they love to kind of be celebrated during these momentous occasions and and so I just find that Facebook is a great avenue for that. You're rather modest. If I if I had to ask you to just kind of guess how many transactions you've closed since 2007 that you think, you know, came from the way you use Facebook as a place to connect and to listen and to engage people. Do you have like a ballpark figure for us? I probably would attribute my Facebook interactions with people um, I probably a hundred transactions in in all frankness. Wow. Um, I don't I don't do a lot of um, mass marketing mailing. I up until last year I hadn't mailed my sphere of influence in probably five years. Um, but I stay in front of them on Facebook, and and it works. And when you say stay in front of them, as you mentioned earlier, it's not because you're posting all the time. A lot of what you do is is kind of listening to them, engaging them, and and be right. kind of being there, right? Right, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not the the person that as soon as somebody says something that could possibly be a a real estate lead, I you know I don't jump in and say, oh, I can help you. You know, here's my name and here's my number and call you know call me, I'll sell your house. I just try to interact and be in people's lives. Um, and I don't always, but if I if I see something that uh, deserves a, a handwritten note or a card or somebody just got a job promotion, you know, here's a little $5 Starbucks card and congrats, enjoy this drink on me or whatnot. And those types of things have led to that job promotion has got an increase in income. And so I just helped a great past client buy and sell their house. That's my goal is to to literally just interact and be part of people's lives um, and share my life with them versus trying to sell them real estate through Facebook. Right. It just happens that way though. Will you share the story that you've, you've told it, you've told me this story a couple of times. I'd love to share with the audience about the connection in Texas. I think it was an, an old <laughs> high school buddy. Tell that story. It's very interesting. So I had this, um, it was a signed call several years ago and I could tell that this guy was, just calling listing agents and getting information. And, but we had a great conversation. Um, our personalities kind of connected. And so I searched him on Facebook and saw that we had a mutual friend. And so I then I texted him, I think, and I said, hey, how in the world do you know Katie? He said, oh, she was my uh, best friend in junior high's girlfriend. And he lived in Amarillo, uh, grew up in Amarillo, Texas. And then I, my husband and I lived there for a couple of years 
early on in our marriage. And so we made this great connection. Um, I helped him buy a house and then he referred several other people to me and he's a physician. So it was not a, uh, not a small house and um, his referrals have been great too. All from looking him up on Facebook and noticing that you had a mutual connection. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. There was no Facebook ad campaign there. You didn't bother him and no. him with stuff. No, you just. I, no, I think that was even before Facebook had any ads. Yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I know you play in other social networks as well. Are there any others that you that you're in kind of heavy right now besides Facebook? You know, Facebook really has become kind of my niche. I um, I like Instagram, so most things I'll I'll post on Instagram too. Um, Pinterest is my mindless pleasure when I need a real a break from thinking or real estate or whatnot. So I don't do a whole lot of real estate on Pinterest, but I am on Pinterest. So Snapchat, I have to be on Snapchat with the, the teenagers, <laughs> my teenage daughters. They're they're on it. So. What, do you use Snapchat just to kind of communicate inside the family for the most part? Family and friends okay. primarily, yes. Yeah. And now that you're one of the owners of the of Phoenix Real Estate Guy, online lead generation is a big part of what you do. I mean, on top of this social um, strategy that you've you know really killed, you're also doing online lead stuff. I, like I noticed you've got quite a few Zillow reviews on your Zillow profile. Um, did you right. ever dabble in, in zip codes with Zillow, purchasing leads from them? Or is it just you had the, the account set up and, and decided to use it? No, I actually still um, am a premier agent with Zillow. I probably five years ago decided that I wanted to work closer to home and increase my sales price. And so I was able to get into what's actually my zip code. For a while, it was fantastic. It still certainly pays for itself and is is helpful, but it it was kind of really a sweet spot with Zillow for a little while, and so I I kind of did just that. I I was able over the next year or two to to do a lot more in Mesa and in my zip code and increase my sales price. Um, the other thing with with Zillow that you can't really put a a value on is that um, it increases brand awareness. So people will say, oh, I see you everywhere. You say, oh, I see you on Zillow or I see you on Redfin or I've seen your signs or whatnot. It's probably some or one or whatever of those, but it help, it's just brand awareness and being in front of people that you want to be in front of. Right. And now with you know the ownership of, of the Phoenix real estate guy, how do you how do you handle those online leads? Do you do you have a, a pretty set system that kind of curates and drips on them or are you not doing that so much? What's kind of your plan? Well, I'm not so great at, at curating and dripping on them. I, it's it really, it's a, a downfall of mine I need to work on. Um, but I try to be uh, very quick in response. So if a Zillow lead or a Phoenix real estate guy lead comes in, um, I will, I will try to call immediately if I can, you know, within the first couple of minutes, if I'm in a position where I can't, I will text them immediately. Um, and I do get a lot of responses via text. Uh, you know, people like text or seem to like text better than than picking up the phone anyway. So, and then I'll hit them with an email also, um, just trying to to stay in front of them and then kind of just continue follow up over the next few days and and moving on. But my follow up's not the greatest, so I'm better off if if I can get them 
uh, right off the bat. Gotcha. Your follow-up on Facebook, phenomenal. Not so great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. right. Um, now, I've had you almost a half hour I asked you for, and, and we're actually recording this uh, uh, in, the, in the evening, so you've got to get back to, to your stuff. But I wanted to ask you the question I've asked every guest on the podcast, and that's, what's one piece of advice you would give a new agent just getting started in the business? So I, I'll tell a little story and then you can kind of take the advice out of it if you'd like. When I, early on in the business, a year or two in, I had a fairly slow start. Um, a year or so in, I was at a, a friend's son's wedding and, um, and the friend had dabbled in real estate for a little while and he was asking how it was going and, you know, it was lamenting that it, it wasn't great yet. And he said, you know, just think in five years, if you continue and where you'll be. And kind of part of his point was that I wasn't having to live on my real estate income. My husband was supporting us enough at that point. And so I, it really, that really just encouraged me. And I thought, okay, in, in five years. So within three years, I got the phone call from, from this um, friend and they're, they're actually more my parents' age. So um, but he and his wife had bought their first investment property and I was kind of the obligatory phone call. So they, they were interviewing three agents and they called me just because they felt like they had to. And I wound up winning that listing and it was when the market was really taking off and I um, got them 10,000 over what I projected I could get them. And that was 20,000 over what anybody else said that they could get. Um, and, and then after that I've sold, help them buy and sell maybe 15 other properties since then they became good investor clients of mine. And so I would just say, you know, just stick with it, you know, think about what about the future and then keep plugging along even on the, when those days are rough, um, that it really can be a great thing. Shar, I can't end a conversation with you without, without asking you this question. You are a notorious cruiser. And when is your next cruise and where are you going? So I, you're going to die, but I don't actually have one planned right now. My uh, daughter's getting married this summer, so we, we don't have anything on the books. Though I am eyeing a Southern Caribbean cruise for the week or two after her wedding. It's just not booked yet. I think your daughter's wedding is a little more important. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. Shar, if, if somebody wants to reach out to you and maybe ask you some direct questions about Facebook, um, what's the best way for them to reach you? I'm available all kinds of different ways. And um, Friend me up on Facebook. Message me there. Um, shoot me an email or a text. I'm happy to, to chat in any way that I can. And your email, the best one is sharrundio at gmail.com. Can we use that? That works just fine. Yep. Right, great. Congratulations on everything that's going so great for you. It's just so fun to watch all this stuff happening and and uh, continued success getting T Preg back to where it's gonna where where it needs to be and and congratulations on your upcoming daughter's wedding. Well, you've got a lot going on. So thank you so much for spending yep. a little time with us. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it.